Hi, I'm Sue and I'm the pastor here. I want to welcome you to Sermons for a Critical Faith, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We are so glad you're taking time to listen today. If you find what you hear helpful, please subscribe to our podcast. We hope these messages are encouraging and uplifting to you. And be sure to stick around after the message, and I'll give you a little more info about how you can get involved and be a part of all that God is doing here. Our second reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, a text. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, if you obey the commandments of your Lord, your God, that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord, your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to, pro to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, declare to you today that you shall certainly perish. You also... You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing in the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you length of days so that you may live in the land that Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So upon hearing the scripture that Jay just read, you might be asking yourself the very same question I was asking myself driving home from a youth group one night. Why in the world did our young people choose this passage? By the way, our first scripture passage was one of the choices along with this one, including a psalm and a passage from Matthew about cutting off one's hand and poking out one's own eye. So I guess I should be glad that they did choose this one as opposed to maybe the Matthew passage. These are all lectionary texts for this Sunday, the sixth Sunday of Epiphany. And as we read all the passages, we read all those passages, we briefly discussed each one of them and the possible directions that we could take the text. We voted, and the Deuteronomy passage won out. A passage about loving the Lord, that's nice. Walking his ways, that's good. Obeying the commandments, yeah, that's good. But that's the way we have life. If we don't do those, and I quote, you shall perish, you shall not live long. The passage God gives us is a choice of life or death. So yeah, what do you do with this passage? Well, in the Hebrew Sunday School class, the last few weeks, we have been hearing from Dr. Peter Enns, author of How the Bible Actually Works. In our most recent class, Dr. Enns reminded us that the Bible and its contents were not written all at once, and nor were they written by any one person or even a small group of people writing under the very same theological belief system. It came about over time, 
by many different people thinking many different things about God. The first five books of the Bible cover at least a thousand years of history and probably as much theological thought about the people of God. And before we go any further, while those first five books are attributed to Moses, we know for a fact that they are not all written by Moses. For just in the next chapter, it is written in the third voice, uh, uh, a voice that is not Moses's, and it describes what Moses does next. Within the first five books, we even read about Moses's death, and how could Moses have written about his own death? So we know that the Bible is not written by, by just one voice. All that is to say, the scripture is indeed written over time by many people reflecting theologically on the times and on the nature of God. There is more than one view of who God is and what God does. Here in Deuteronomy, it's all about the law and the legal requirements of the chosen people of God. And its view in theology very much reflects this. Hence, the command to obey the law and live. For our relationship with God, in Deuteronomy, is all about the commands as means of keeping us in a right relationship. Yet if we look later in scripture, the prophet Micah tells the people that God doesn't need all the ritualistic and legal actions, but requires us to simply seek justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Which is it? The transactional God of Deuteronomy awarding life if a certain criterion is met? Or Micah's prophecy that puts a premium on living the spirit of the law over a checklist? One, of, one, one or one of the many others that we can find in Scripture. Our passage in Deuteronomy reflects a time when the law and legal requirements help set the people apart from the many other peoples and religions that surrounded them while in the wilderness and in the newly claimed promised land. It had served a purpose. But we are far removed from that time and purpose, yet we profess the text is still truth. So how is it true, and how does it speak to you and I? How does it speak to our young people? This was a challenge laid out before our young people, and what they grabbed onto in this text is found in verse 19. Choose life. The text in its original context leans to an interpretation that says choose obedience and receive life. But what if we look at it from the point of view of all the Bible and all that God, the prophets, Jesus, and Paul have to say? Perhaps we see a different understanding of what it means to choose life. A life that reflects the God who gives us this life. What if it's choosing a life that is living what it means to be the people of God, what it means to live life abundantly. What is this life we choose? To hear more about this, I invite our young person, Emily Van Meter, to share her thoughts on what this life we choose is all about. When reading this passage, I was reminded of my high school classroom. The teacher is threatening your whole class with a failing grade if you don't turn in your assignment. We are being told very directly that if we don't choose a path of faith and follow the word of God, we will live a life of misery and die. This passage made me think about what my life means to me, what it means to live with God, and where I most feel connected spiritually. The first question I asked myself 
was what does life mean to me? Life to me isn't just about breathing, sleeping, or eating. Life is an adventure full of unexpected twists and turns, highs and lows, moments of great achievement and moments of sorrow. Living with God is an even greater existence, one where your faith helps guide you through times of happiness and times that are troublesome. God has given us a roadmap that explains some details and lays out a pretty basic plan, but God doesn't give us a perfect formula like A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I have often been confused about what to do on assignments, especially when not given clear instructions on what to do. Usually, I find myself thinking tr internally, trying to come up with a project idea that appeals to me and what I'm good at. And that's what I think God is calling us to do when he gives us these basic maps of life. He wants us to look inside ourselves and find what we are good at, where we can use our talents to better the world around us. And that is what I believe living in God is about. This passage also made me think about living in God's creation. I've always loved nature and traveling. In fact, it's one of my favorite things to do. I've been on some very interesting and exciting trips throughout my life that have allowed me to see what God has created for us. Places like Kettle Falls, Minnesota in beautiful Voyagers National Park, or the lush mountains near Buffalo, Wyoming. And of course, no adventure is create, no adventure through God's creation would be complete without a well-planned fishing trip to wherever the nearest freshwater lake, river, or stream was. I've seen all varieties of flora and fauna and created memories that have shaped me and taught me so many things. Being outside and in nature is a way for me to connect with God on a personal level. There isn't anyone else there. I have room to think, wonder, and pray. I have time to reflect upon past mistakes and plan for the future. Living in God's creation is a very spiritual thing for me. I feel that living in God's creation is a way for me to look inside myself and find out my purpose in life and how I'm called to live. My connection with God is strongest when traveling and when I'm centered in my community. Togetherness and fellowship are two of the greatest gifts I believe that God has ever given us. To be rooted deep in a group, to have friends, and to be loved is a feeling I hope everyone gets to discover someday because they truly make you feel at ease and content. Throughout my life, no trip or adventure has had a greater impact on me than that of the fellowship trip this church takes every May. I have been on every single fellowship trip this church has ever taken. On the first trip, I was just over a year old, and now I'm 16. Every year, it gives me a new perspective on life, my faith, and who I am. This trip isn't just about the beautiful places we visit, the people we talk to, or the fabul fabulous food and hospitality of Western Nebraska. It is the people who have continued to go on this trip year after year after year. People like Nancy and Bill Yannicky, Carl and Sue Tillinghaus, and of course, those who initiated the trip, Carol and Walt Schott. The experiences, memories, and stories we have shared throughout this trip have shaped the way I feel about my faith. We are connected something to something deeper than a shared church. We are a group connected through our joint faith and fellowship, whether it be through the Yannickies pickled asparagus, game night inside someone's cabin, trucking through muddy pastures on a rainy day, a beautiful sunrise over the Niobrara River, Sunday morning service, or even Carol's handcrafted prayers before every meal and before we set out for the day. I find this group to be my family, my community of faith, and the people I feel most connected to God with. So what does this all mean? God asks us to choose life, daily between life and death. But we aren't perfect, no human is. I certainly am not. I am not innocent of the common crimes of childhood, like not putting away the dishes, not cleaning my room, and maybe on occasion saying some things I probably shouldn't. 
but does that mean that I should die? I don't think so. I believe we are each made to discover what life means to us, what find living in God's creation means to us, and to find that connection. We aren't all the same, and I believe God wants us to all to be different. I will find my path, just as billions of other people will find theirs. Some will become doctors, cooks, teachers, construction workers, etc. We are all called to live God's word to the best of our ability. Sure, we will stumble. Sure, we will have to pick up ourselves up and dust ourselves off. Life will continue to throw you curveballs, and you will have to roll with it because you have to believe there is something better waiting for you on the other side. God challenges us to live up to his standards, and we will fail time and time again, but we will also succeed time and time again. Every time you hold the door for someone, check up on a friend who isn't doing so well, or pick up the groceries for your elderly neighbor. Humans aren't perfect. We make mistakes, but it's how we choose to learn from those mistakes. That's how we choose life, and that's how we live in God's creation. To me, this passage simply shows us that choosing life doesn't have to be perfect, but we have to try. We have to put in the effort to find what it is we are called to do and where we are called to do that. Find out what life means to you. Explore God's creation and immerse yourself in that special place where you feel most connected to God. This passage has opened my eyes and helped me to understand just where I need to be to live with God. Perfect is unattainable. I have learned that the hard way, especially in the classroom. Anyone who knows me knows that I want things to be done absolutely perfectly. I want everything in a nice little package. Sometimes you don't get the grade you want or win the big game, but that's not the end of the world. Maybe it wasn't your day, and that's okay. We learn from that and move on to finding ways that we can improve ourselves and help others. That's living in God's creation to me and choosing life. We have to find what connects us, what leads us, what God has called us to do, and where that connection is strongest. This is choosing life. This is what God has called us to do. The life we choose is not the same for all of us. We have seen how this changes over time, or at least the means in which we choose life does. Deuteronomy frames it within the context of the law meant to help the people set themselves apart from the cultures and the wonders and they wander the wilderness and encounter many different cultures and religions. Micah reframes it within the context of living the spirit of the law. Jesus would go on to reframe it once again with the context of loving and caring for our neighbors is more important than, the, than legalistically following the law. While all reframed, all is also true. We learn from them all, and each has its part to play. Paul shares this with us in the text, that even both Apollos and Paul taught differently, it was God that was acting in the teaching. We have learned under Deuteronomy, we have learned under Micah, we have learned under Jesus, we have learned under Paul, we have learned under our young people. But in them all, God is urging us to choose life that reflects God's call for us to follow God, to choose life that lives the law, to choose life that reflects the love of God, to choose life that brings us closer to God. We each have our own way in which that happens. May we remember that whatever that way may be, God is behind it all, calling us to choose this life of following God to wherever it may lead. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. At First Presbyterian Church, we believe that we aren't meant to do life alone. 
we're made to do life with others. So if you're looking for a community of people who will meet you and welcome you and love you and accept you just as you are, then head over to our website, fpclincoln.org, to find out how you can join one of our groups or studies and get connected to other people. Or if you just want some information about our church or want to talk to someone, you can fill out a Connect card and someone from our team will reach out to you. The link for that card is under the Contact Us tab on our website. Every week, we get to hear stories about people finding God and lives being changed through these messages. And none of this would be possible without the amazing generosity of the people of First Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to be a part of helping this life-changing message continue to go online each week, you can make a donation. Just click the Give tab on our website. And we thank you for your generosity. And thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast. Be sure to check out our other episodes or check out our YouTube channel at FPC Lincoln and check out our other messages to help you on your journey. And don't forget, subscribe to Sermons for a Critical Faith so you can know when we release new episodes. We love you and hope you have a great day.